been um, kind of pondering, thinking about, studying about, etc. God's really put this on my heart pretty heavily. So um, this is um, very much um, self-reflective. Um, this is not just, you know, something that I think will, I hope will bless some of you. Um, this is about liminal space or the in-between space. So very quickly, what is liminal space? Because I know it's not the, the most common word. Liminal space is, for example, an airport. So no one goes to an airport to live. You go to an airport to go somewhere else. Sometimes in life, you end up in a liminal space. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about why God does that. We're going to walk through an example in Exodus of where God put people in liminal space for specific purposes. We're going to talk how this can apply to your life. I'm going to hope that some of you catch this live. We will definitely do a Q&A. So um, if you're in here, share, hit the thumbs up if you're on YouTube, um, also on Facebook, and definitely share it with some of your friends who you think this might bless. Let's get into liminal space. So, as I promised, liminal space. Um, let's see what's up here. Remember, go into the chat. Feel free to share um, whatever you reshare it. Share it to someone um, that'll bless. Let's talk about liminal space. So, I mentioned already, liminal space is um, the process or the, the area. It's not a biblical term explicitly, but it's where you are when um, God puts you or, or when you are someplace in between. A couple of good examples of liminal space. I mentioned one already, the airport. That's liminal because you don't go to the airport to stay there. You go there en route to somewhere else. A simple example of liminal space um, would be, hey, what's up, warrior woman? Always good to see you. Um, did you bring Lil Grogu? Because he ain't here right now. But anyway, inside joke, leave that alone. Um, another good example of liminal space um, would be um, pregnancy for a woman. That's an excellent example. It's probably one of the most you know, prominent ones because when a woman gets pregnant, she is beginning motherhood. However, she has not experienced the full extent of motherhood yet. She's not waking up to feed a child. She's not, um, you know, she's not um, 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 changing pampers, et cetera, et cetera. So she is in this liminal period before she gets into full motherhood, um, but while she is, you know, waiting, kind of anticipatory uh, for it. So that's a very good example of liminal space. And ask any woman who's been pregnant, um, at least the ones I've dealt with, down to the end of it, they are anxious to get out of the pregnancy to get into motherhood because liminal space is difficult. It's by nature a period of tension. Give you another super example of liminal space. Liminal space is um, college. So you don't go to college to stay in college, although you know some kids might differ, beg to differ on that. But liminal space is college because you go to college to get prepped for whatever is next. So you're coming out of your school period, you know, high school, etc. You go into college to prep you for somewhere else that's better, namely the workplace, the, 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 the you know, your professional career, quote unquote, the rest of your life. So those are examples of liminal space. But now 
let's talk about the biblical perspective on liminal space. So we, we know what liminality is. What does God use it for? One quick side note, before we get too deep into this, I want to make one quick comment. Remember, thumbs up, like, subscribe, share, etc. But um, this channel and any YouTube channel, quite frankly, and I got this from a video of a, another YouTuber that I watched yesterday. Um, this is not a replacement for good pastoral care, being a part of a local church, and getting discipled by people that you are in true, real, impersonal relationship with. I myself am under um, leadership of my church. I go to a church. I'm submitted to their leadership. They are aware of this YouTube channel. This is not me starting a church. This is simply me sharing things that I I've learned out of the Bible um, to, to, to for quite frankly, for me to help me remember it. Hopefully, my kids will be able to see this when they get older and it will make sense to them and they can you know, watch my journey and they can then go even further than I am. So, just a quick note about the channel in general. I'll probably drop that caveat a couple more times on other videos as well. Back to liminal space. So, key example of liminal space in the Bible. Um, and you know I like to throw up some word, so here is the word. Um, you see liminal space super clearly in, um, good looking out, um, warrior woman. You see liminal space super clearly in Exodus. So the children of Israel have been in Egypt um, and they find themselves in Egypt and they are in a circumstance that they shouldn't be in. But before we even start getting into the circumstance that they shouldn't be in, let's go to the beginning of the children of Israel. The children of Israel started off, you know, we remember the Deuteronomy 32, the Tower of Babel narrative, which happened really in Genesis 11 and is reflected in Deuteronomy 32 again. And in that narrative, we learn Israel or Jacob is Yahweh's portion. So that's the beginning of the children of Israel. That That's the, the onset of it there. The trick is, at that point, there was no Israel. Like it literally didn't exist. So in the subsequent chapter, Genesis 12, God runs into Abraham. Abraham formed, uh, makes Isaac. Isaac begats Jacob. Jacob changes his name or God changes his name to Israel. That's Israel. He has a bunch of sons. They end up in Egypt. Now, that's where we find ourselves in the, in the text right now. And for the first time since the beginning of Genesis, we see this in a positive sense, that verse that I have highlighted. And the Israelites, however, were fruitful, increased greatly, multiplied, and became extremely strong so that the land was filled with them. If you remember in several of our other teachings where we spoke about you know, Genesis and the, the beginning and the fall, etc., this was the mandate from God. He gave it to them um, after Noah's Ark. Um, he gave it to um, Adam and Eve in the garden when they you know, created them, and he gave it to them after they fell. Go out, be fruitful, make a bunch of kids, multiply, replenish the earth, subdue it. Here in Egypt is the first time his people or any humans are actually doing that. So we find our heroes, so to speak, in Egypt in a place where they should not be. They were to, to go down to Egypt for 70 years, something like that, seven years, I can't remember the exact number, when um, there was going to be a famine and Egypt was going to you know, help them get through the famine. They got comfortable in Egypt and they multiplied in Egypt rather than in the land where Jesus, had, uh, where God um, designed for them. Hence, we find them in Egypt. Fast forward, God has to come through and he 
exoduses them or rescues them from Egypt. And we see back in Exodus 12, you know, there's 10 plagues and I'm not going to go through that narrative because I'm trying to get to the liminal part. Um, in Exodus 12, we see the Lord gave the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians and they gave them, the Egyptians gave them whatever they wanted. And that is how they plundered Egypt. So on the way out the door, the Egyptians, so glad for them to be leaving, says, here, take gold, take silver, take all the stuff we have. And that is how God orchestrated for them to plunder e Egypt. So that's the beginning of a, 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 a symbol or a sign God is giving them. And then we see a mixed multitude leaves Egypt, and that is where the Exodus begins. So we now understand who is Israel. We understand kind of you know where they are and where the the, the the circumstance is taking them and we now understand they are leaving Egypt headed back to the promised land but they need to go through liminal space and that is where we start dealing with um, the next part of our little bit of a narrative here so in the process of going through liminal space one of the things that comes up is this and that is what we call identity. Liminal space is also about identity. So in liminal space, we learn identity, namely God's identity. So hold on. Let's talk about identity a little bit. Awesome. So, sorry. Thanks. <laughs> awesome. Um, warrior woman with her little frog. She thinks I like Grogu, so she calls it Little Grogu. We were well enough alone on that one. Back to liminal space. So God immediately starts establishing their identity. Example of that in Exodus 4. You must, God telling Moses, you must say to Pharaoh, thus says the Lord, Israel is my son, my firstborn. And I say to you, let my son go that he may serve me. So God is here saying, this is my, this is the identity I want to put on these people, not the identity that they have absorbed from being in Israel and the traits in Egypt, sorry, and the traits they've gotten from that, which is slavery. God is saying, break that off of you. This is who you are. You are my firstborn people. And he's not just limiting, telling that to the Israelites. He's telling that to the outside world as well. We also see it, it, the distinguishing comes even clearer, but against any of the Israelites, not even a dark will bark against either the people or the animals, so that you may know that the Lord distinguishes between Egypt and Israel. So again, identity is being firmed up here by Yahweh. So one of the things of liminal space is to form your identity. So when you find, let me not fast forward. So identity, that's a key part of it. Um, let's go to the next part of liminal space. And that is fair. So in, in liminal space, you also run into fair. So um, on all um, of the gods of Egypt, God is executing judgment because he is the Lord. So he is establishing himself as God. Um, and he starts providing for them quite um, in, immediately. So in spite of the fact that they're afraid, in spite of the fact that they are you know, concerned and they don't know what's coming up, God establishes their identity. Next thing God starts to do, again, in liminal space, is showing the, the dependency. So liminal space seeks to identify 
who you are. Liminal space seeks to identify who you are dependent on. And God will use liminal space to have you put your dependency on what it needs to be on if we're talking from a Christian worldview. So let's dig into the dependency aspect of liminal space. Um, next verse over here. Um, before we get into this verse, let me kind of switch channels just a little bit. Um, one of the aspects of um, 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 humans is something called Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And that's from, a, a, I think it's a 19, early 1900s essay that was written. I am not espousing Maslow. He's probably a secular humanist, but the foundations of what he says has truth in it. And Maslow's hierarchy of needs says, if your physiological needs are not met, taken care of, and, and, and fully replenished, um, it's difficult for you to even focus on other things. So physiological needs, the, the, the base needs, food, security, water, safety. Maslow says, if those things are not met and, they are, and you're still in concern about them, you can't function and think and, and work on higher level things such as love, empathy, self-actualization. You can't even process those things. Like you can't even work on those things yet because you are concerned about the basic fundamentals. Trick is, Yahweh built us. Yahweh knows what we're about. So Yahweh uses liminal space to start forming their dependency on him. One of the things we mentioned, water. So they came to a place in Exodus 15 where they, they were thirsty and they started murmuring. The water of the river was bitter. So the Lord showed Moses a tree. He told Moses, threw it into the water and the water became safe to drink. What is Yahweh showing there? Not just that he can do a magic trick and turn water nice. He's showing them, depend on me, Yahweh, for your very physiological needs even. Subsequently, we see Yahweh literally raining bread from heaven, manna, from the sky. And there's a parallel there because in one of the plagues, he rained frogs from the sky. So on Egypt, he rains a curse, a plague. On his people, he says, I'm going to rain bread, literal, physical, physiological food for their mouths. And that is how he is using this to, and we sit oftentimes in the 21st century, you know, putting our um, um, worldview and our scenario on the Bible. And we say, oh, you know, these Israelites were so ungrateful. But were they really, though? Like, how would you act if you get dragged out into the middle of the desert and you literally don't know where your meal is coming from? How did you act? How did we act when COVID hit us and we suddenly don't know where you know our income is going to come from? What's next with the job? How do you act when scenarios are changing in the economy that might affect your job and you don't know where the next thing is coming from? Is it easy for you to then just, oh, just kind of chill back and not question God, not ask God a question? If we're real with ourselves, we'll probably realize we are more like the children of Israel um, than we want to give ourselves credit for. So either way, in those periods, understand that God is using this or trying to use this to build your dependency on him. <clears throat> Even as far as security, 
on the way out of Egypt, um, Exodus 13 says, and when Pharaoh released the people, God did not lead them by the way of the land of the Philistines, although that was a shorter walk, because he said, lest the people change their minds and return to Egypt when they experience war. So God brought them around by the way of the desert to the Red Sea. And we know what happened at the Red Sea. God, again, had to step in and mightily show himself. So we see God very clearly after he's 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 put his label on them and said this is my people he said he's telling his people now depend on me depend on me so what do you do when you're in a liminal space what do you do when you are in a holding pattern and you're wondering oh my god what is next depend on god look to god to be your literal provider Let's go out a little bit further. Um, in addition to that, <clears throat> God also provided the angel of the Lord for protection. And we see here in the narrative right before the Red Sea crossing that the angel of the Lord actually provided a tower of um, fire by night and cloud by the day. But in the war scenario, going through the Red Sea, when the Egyptian army is behind them, we see that the pillar moves from leading them and goes behind them to actually bring a level of protection. So it brings darkness over the Egyptians, but it brings light over the um, um, Israelites while they're in the desert at the dark um, so that the Egyptians don't come near them. So God is really quite literally looking out for every single one of their needs. And even though they were very terrified and they kept asking this question, through the liminal process, God keeps saying, sit tight, I'm going to show you. Sit tight, I'm going to show you. And there's something else he's going to show you. What's the next thing we get in liminal space? In liminal space, we learn authority. We learn who we, who is in charge. And God starts to show the children of Israel, look, this is how I'm going to show you who's in charge. So we saw identity, we saw dependency, and now we're about to see authority. <clears throat> now, um, fast forward, they are at Sinai. They got away from the Egyptians. Egyptians have been destroyed. Moses' father-in-law comes through. And Moses' father-in-law, Jethro, when he hears the narrative of what God has done, this is what Moses' father-in-law, a Canaanite, FYI, um, goes ahead and says, now I know that the Lord, Yahweh, is greater than all the guards. So again, in terms of who is in charge, who is leader, leading them, God has set a, a, a template so broad that even the non-Israelites start to recognize that Yahweh is God. Furthermore, if, as far as leadership, we see even in the battles, <clears throat> Yahweh appoints Moses and he makes it obvious that Moses is my guy, that I am put there to represent me and to lead you. So we see when Moses raises his hand in the battle against the Amalekites, Joshua prevails. And when Moses drops his hands, the Amalekites prevails. <clears throat> we see Moses literally being the representing the hand of God in warfare. So not just is God leading them, but God has appointed people, Moses in this case, and we'll see another example of this subsequently, to actually be leadership representatives. What do you look for in liminal space? Are you 
present enough to say, God, show me who you are putting in my life right now that will help lead me through this process? Are you <clears throat> inclining closer to your pastor, closer to the word, closer to the people that can disciple you and can call you out on your nonsense when you do something wrong? I mean, not YouTube people like me. I mean, actual people that know you that can say, bro, what you're doing right now is incorrect and you know better. Like, these are the people that God puts in your life. And we see that here. <clears throat> Jethro, again, gives advice to Moses. You're a representative to the people of God, and they bring their disputes to you, but it's too much for you to do alone. So Jethro advises Moses, take capable, God-fearing men of truth, those who hate brides, and put them over the people as rulers. This, again, is God establishing leadership, authority, in liminal space. And this is what God is doing in the liminal space. Now, why is God doing that? Why is this so important? <clears throat> we fast forward to Joshua. They are practically into the promised land now. They're about to come in and actually do the conquest. And they run into this young lady named Rahab. So um, I won't go too deep into the narrative of Rahab. Maybe another time we'll talk about that. That's really dense. There's a lot of stuff there. Hey, what's up, Dean? Good to see you. Good to see you, Phil Fox, the homie. Uh, Miss Titus, a um, bunch of people in, in this place. Hey, Joy, how are you? Good stuff, good stuff. Thanks for joining. Remember, drop your questions. Um, <clears throat> And um, we will definitely do a little bit of Q&A afterwards. This is a ton, ton of comments. So thanks, Michelle. Appreciate it. Good looking out, sis. Um, like, share, subscribe, whole kit and caboodle. Um, back to liminal space. Um, Rahab. Rahab, upon running into you know Joshua's spies, Rahab says, and Rahab is a Canaanite prostitute no less and prostitution in these days was not about money prostitution was about um temple prostitution so it was extra vehemently abhorrent to um levitical law nonetheless here we go they run into this um rahab and rahab tells them for we heard we the canaanites we the people in jericho heard how the lord dried up the water of the red sea before you when you left egypt and how you annihilated two amorite kings sion and og fyi those are giant kings giant clans so these are these were not just a simple war where you know there was tactical superiority god actually helped them defeat giant clans offspring of the watchers the nephilim that's what sihon and og and the amorites represented it's a big big deal word of that spreads and remember i said god purposely didn't bring them to that war from the jump he took them a long path to form them so that they get their identity so they start falling in line so they start becoming dependent on him and then he brings them to sihon and og where they defeat them and the word starts spreading and we heard the news and we lost courage and no one could even breathe for fear of you. This is what God's leadership and authority brought them to. The rest of the world is now starting to realize these people are for real. So God has not just established in our hearts who go through the liminal period, but he's using it to send a message out as well. And Rahab again, and I know that the Lord is handing this land over to you for we are absolutely terrified of you. This was a, 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 remember we started off with a mixed multitude. They were just a rabble. They, 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 they escaped Egypt, the greatest um, 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 world dominating power at that time by the skin of their teeth. No one's, nothing's a mixed multitude, rabble, slaves. 
fast forward 40 years later, God I know is handing over this land to you because we are absolutely terrified. And now we'll go to the last little step of liminality. And this was the whole, this was one of the whole points of it. And I, I'm drawing this attention here to kind of show you how everything in the Bible ties together. So fast forward to the New Testament, and this is the genealogy of Jesus Christ, son of David. Um, and they go through the list. And I want you to notice that who gets called out in this list here in Jesus's line is Rahab. And I'll read a little paragraph for you from the IVP commentary. Ancient genealogies usually omitted women, but Matthew includes four women. Three of these women were Gentiles. Rahab was one of them. Thus, he hints from the Old Testament that God has always planned a mission to all peoples. And that's pretty obvious in the Old Testament. If you remember the Abraham narrative, Abraham was told through your people, all will be blessed. So that is the, 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 the long and short of liminality. When you're in liminality, when you are in a waiting period, a holding period, it is tense. It is difficult. You're going to ask questions. You're going to feel unstable. That's what liminality is all about. That's what the children of Israel felt. Understand God is trying to establish identity, your identity in him, not your identity on what you were comfortable with from your prior situation. God is trying to establish who are you dependent on? Were you dependent on that job that you had before COVID or were you dependent on him? Sometimes he puts you in a liminal state to break your dependency on something that might not have been bad, like Egypt saved their lives. But nonetheless, there came a time when they had to break from Egypt and go into where God wanted them because what God wanted was greater. What God had planned was more than just for the Israelites. It was for us. It was for the entire globe. He wanted to save all his imagers. And he wants to show who has authority. Who has authority over you? Does COVID, does political happenings, Republicans, Democrats, who's in the, in the White House, who's not? Uh, who, like who has authority over you? Liminal periods serve to show us that our authority needs to be in Yahweh. Yahweh is the one we trust in, no one else not who's in the political office. Fast forward to Joshua. Remember Joshua saw the army, the commander of the army of the Lord, asked the army of the Lord, oh, you're here to fight this before they go and take down Jericho. Oh, you're here to fight for us? Whose side are you on? Are you on their side or ours? What does the commander of the army of the Lord say? Neither. I am the commander of Yahweh's army. Not, I don't fight for you. You better get on my side. That's what God was trying to say here. So that's liminal space. Um, <laughs> somebody said, unfortunately, I have YouTube and in real life. Love it. Um, hey, um, so let's see any quick questions. Um, I see no questions. I really appreciate um, the feedback and the love in here. This is good. I'm not totally completely used to the whole live with people commenting here, but um, nonetheless, this was awesome. All right. So wrapping up now, I hope this was a blessing. Um, please like, share, subscribe, thumbs up, send this to someone that you think is in liminal space and could hear, hey, this is what maybe God is trying to tell you in that liminal space. I'm telling you already, for me personally, this was super impactful. This was like personal for me. I've been going through a liminal space 
for a minute now, like well over a year and praying and stuff. And one of the things that God kind of showed me was, Greg, you're not even suitable to know what to pray for for yourself. So I stopped asking God for God, give me this or help me with this. I started saying, you know what, God, I'm not even smart enough. Let your will be done. And that's what I encourage you to pray over your lives and over your family today. When you find yourself in liminal space, when you find yourself in a holding pattern, say, God, you let your will be done. This is Bible Hacking. I'm Greg. This was awesome as usual. Hope this was a blessing to you. Peace out, y'all.